so here we are again in the in the studio. Uh, this is Venetia Brielt with the Ordinary Courage podcast. And I have a very special guest uh, today that I'm so excited and honored to have in the studio, David. David, how do you say? Uh, Lurie. 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 Okay, I would have totally botched that. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, David, yeah. This is an honor, actually. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was an honor just to, like, get to meet you a couple years ago, so... And then to gradually become closer friends and stuff is nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Really wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's so... um, it's so because like I've been on your podcast twice mm-hmm. now. That's right. And then so now to have you here, it just, yeah, yeah, it feels really special. It does, and it it feels really special. Like I said, I'm honored. So I yeah. won't gush too much though. I'll, <laughs> yeah, because I'll start getting in the way. <laughs> with my big mouth. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're awesome. So I just if uh, if you're comfortable in it, mm-hmm. I or comfortable in it. If you're comfortable with it, I'd like to just kind of dive in and, mm-hmm. and uh, wherever you want to start in your story and your, I'll be totally honest with you when you and I met last time mm-hmm. and I was um, like I, when you had me on your, as yeah. a guest on your podcast last time and you and I were talking and, and just some of the stuff that you mentioned mm. then about your story, like, mm-hmm. you know, what we were talking about like just with the sexual exploitation, yes. things yeah. like that. And I, that's, uh, did you want me to talk about that a little bit? I, if honestly, if you're comfortable, mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah. If just t- like, yeah, t- tell us your story. Tell me your story. Sure. I, I I'll start there. Uh, yeah. Cause I think, and I think that's important, um, right now for, for probably lots of reasons I'm unaware of, but, yeah. um, this is a big part of our world right now is that we're starting to wake up. Well, some people are starting to be um, woken up to the fact that children are constantly in danger. Yes. Like constantly. Yes. Um, and so I think, first of all, I have to apologize to my parents for ever calling them worry warts because I get it, right? Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of, and don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that it's everywhere you go out mm-hmm. there, but when I was a young, um, I was abused outside the home. Um, and through that process, I, I learned to, that it was first of all my fault, right? That that I well, I had obviously done something to initiate that, even mm-hmm. when I was four or five years old, um, and that's when really the grooming started. Was about four or five. Um, okay. And Could, was this like a relative outside the home? No, or? it was a, it was a relative stranger outside the home. Um, and how it started was, um, I can't remember why I went in the house. Um, but I do remember it was playing with my friends. We, yeah. I think I must've been five. It okay. had to have been about five where, when this occurred. Um, but I constant, I have flashbacks now to the, the basement, um, where, where we were and the little windows in the basements, you know, and, and it's funny cause I, for, I could go probably years and not think about it. Uh, but with everything in the news lately about all the arrests in mm-hmm. Alberta and, mm-hmm. and the. Oh my God, I can't even remember what they call it now with all those rich people taking kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wherever they want. And, uh, and I think like the Jeffrey Epstein's of yeah, the world, the Epstein's yeah. of the world yeah, and, yeah. and the Clintons yes, and, you know, yes. those sick people, um, that claim to be, you know, looking after our best interest. And I mean, obviously Epstein didn't say that mm-hmm. I've, from everything I've heard other people talk about him, like in. Uh, other podcasts, for example, he was 
he was that guy. Like mm-hmm. almost, I think it was uh, Eric Weinstein, his podcast, The Portal. It's really good, but he met Epstein a few times. Okay. And, and of course, it's like, oh, you get your skin crawling, right, when they start talking about that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I keep jumping all over the place, but I think that's one of the reasons why it's so on my mind lately yeah. is because of all the stuff that's happening. Yeah. And, and I'm really, I don't want people to be quiet about it anymore. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that happened to me when I was a kid um, was because I didn't feel I could talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And back mm-hmm. then that was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So back then nobody talked about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And cause there, I mean, I don't even remember hearing about mental illness. I know. Right. Until yeah. I was a teenager or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, because part of it was because in the church, they, kind of convince you it's not mental illness that you're possessed by of some kind of Mm -hmm. you know oh man thank god we're moving out of that era right um into an era of hopefully another era of enlightenment but anyway (laughs) it's hard to see that right now you know um but anyway as a kid the, the way i expressed it was you know suicidal ideations um i tried to take a tv into the bathtub with me at nine years old um I just, and if somebody, when they asked me, my dad, they caught me and, and I just, I said, I don't know. I think, I, I think I grabbed onto the reasoning they gave me, right? So we had moved down to California from Canada mm-hmm. when I was between eight and nine and I'd already run away. I tried to run away a couple times when we were here and the RCMP always brought me home and a couple, the couple times I got away, mm-hmm. <laughs> I got away, um, it sounds like I was running from my parents, but I wasn't like I, they had no idea. Um, but part of the, the problem was nobody had any idea. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. when, when I tried to take the TV in the bathtub and then I just kept trying to figure out another way that I could end my life, um, because I, I knew I couldn't talk about it. And every time, um, some people might be wondering, well, how, how did this happen outside the home in Canada and California? So I'll try to explain the, uh, the grooming a little bit. So part of the grooming, it is like, you'll be in trouble if you tell, you'll be in trouble if you tell Mm -hmm. your parents won't blame me. They're going to blame you. Mm -hmm. Like all those kinds of things. And then plus introducing to other adults, right? So, um, and making it something that a child will start to seek out, like, because the only time I felt like I was doing stuff right sometimes was Mm -hmm. when that would happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now because I haven't really talked about it like this, probably anywhere, to be honest. Um, but I, I remember um, what really probably triggered everything was when I was seeing a counselor years ago when I first sobered up, um, probably 12 or 13 years ago, and uh, it came out. I was talking about um, all of it, and she just looked at me and said, well, I'm just going to... I understand what's, what you're saying and what's happening, but she goes, did you ever consider the fact that you're still alive and that somehow you survived? And, and I hadn't, I just, I hadn't thought about it. Right. Because yeah. you know, when you're, when you're going through it, you just go through it. You, yeah. I, I wasn't, I don't ever feel, I don't remember feeling like I was going to be killed or taken so long as I agreed. Right. Like so long as I agreed with whatever the next man wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, this is going to sound really funny, not haha funny, but funny in that um, very twisted way the human mind works, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so one of the ways that I would seek the behavior was I would go to 
um, stores that had public washrooms because that's where the men told me I could go, right? That when, when they're saying, this is where we hang out, this is where we are, you can go and you can meet us there. Um, wow. But of course, when you're a kid, you're like, well, I guess I'm looking around. And then I was finding it, right? And I guess what really sucks looking back is that I found it a lot of places. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't hard to come by. Um, wow. Adults, adults hurting kids. And so, I mean, this, like one of my best friends, like God bless him, he works, well, he works in the, the field, right? He works for, uh, for ICE here in Calgary. And um, I just, I thank him all the time. Like I, the kid in me just thanks him, you know? Um, and because there's nothing you can do going back. I don't know who the men are, um, mm-hmm. you know? And really I'd be giving a handful of faces that maybe were them. And mm-hmm. I couldn't do that, obviously. You mm-hmm. don't want to accuse someone um, falsely, of course, but, mm-hmm. but the, anyway, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is it, it stays with you, right? Like, yeah. you know, and, and I, I guess one of the things that I like to pass on to people is that no matter how many times I talk about it or process it through maybe step work or, um, some other formula to mm-hmm. heal from grief, um, it's still there. Mm-hmm. So what happens though, it gets a little bit less powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so through the years, it's gotten a little bit less powerful to where it doesn't tell me what to do anymore, mm-hmm. but, but the pain comes back and the, the pictures come back. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest difference is, is that when they come back, I'm not haunted for as long. Yeah. Um, and, but, but some like this week ha- happens to be one of the bad weeks where from Sunday morning, like the images were just coming back and back. And it's probably because I knew where I was going to talk to you i don't know like i'm just throwing that out there as a guess yeah i could see that yeah Yeah, and it uh so it starts to i guess do its own the subconscious right like whatever's going on back there um but i i just encourage uh if you're if you're if you're going through this stuff like right now out there Mm -hmm. jesus ask for help and and if you're not safe at home call someone else yes um because this stuff will have an effect on you, you know, and, uh, and, and I mean, there's a lot of choices that I've made through the years, um, looking way back Mm -hmm. that were a direct result of that, Mm -hmm. right? Like a direct result. Mm -hmm. I mean, at, I was in university and it occurred to me that while I was in university, I should go sell my ass at the bathhouse downtown Calgary. I could make extra money. And besides I'd already done it. Mm -hmm. Like I'd already been, in my mind, I'd already been a whore. So now I might as well. Um, and, and so when people use that language, mm-hmm. like out there, it, it, may, it gets, sticks to my ribs, right? Because for, every, for me anyway, it, that came from a very specific place. My promiscuity, my drug use, my alcohol use. Um, and of course, I don't blame that. But I do, I, you have, there is some responsibility on a culture that shuts you down when you start talking about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there is, mm-hmm. and I mean, we're still in a culture where there's some people that want to shut other people down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe just because they don't agree, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And Or it makes them uncomfortable or... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're right. There could be lots of reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. um, that people don't want to hear it, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. but I, I, I guess the truth is we just can't stop anyway. Because yeah. the other kids now, I do care. 
right? And I do recognize it for what it is when mm-hmm. it's other children, right? Mm-hmm. It, and I always have, but it, it was so hard to apply the rules to myself. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? In terms I of do. being being kind to myself and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just going to encourage man kids, if you're out there and there's stuff going on, like call somebody, mm-hmm. like call, ask for help. Um, mm-hmm. you, it's not your fault. Right. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one for yeah. me was it's just not your fault. There's really nothing you could do, Yeah. you know, yeah. except for if you can run, you can run. But yeah, most of the time it's not that situation. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's so important to, to be, um, like you're talking about the grooming, mm-hmm. right? And I think in that grooming process is where we sort of, we can end up taking responsibility mm-hmm. for what is happening and mm-hmm. we feel responsible and like we have agreed mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. You know, like a child can mm-hmm. agree to something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a child has the emotional, mental wherewithal to agree Mm -hmm. to that kind of, you know, sexual deviant Mm -hmm. behavior. Right. But that is part of that. I I believe in my opinion that that's Mm -hmm. part of that grooming process Mm -hmm. and where we get stuck and caught and feel like Mm -hmm. we can't tell because we have some now we have somehow owned, owned it. Like, you know what I mean? I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, you know, that even just even that would just like, we kind of just got started, but I just, Mm -hmm. so I know even for myself in my own life, the sexual abuse that I experienced too. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to you, David, just Mm -hmm. in saying that that's where your uh, promiscuity came from. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, you know, then looked for validation Mm -hmm. in similar types of behavior because then that's really the only time that you are feeling, you know, worthwhile Mm -hmm. or loved or that someone, you know, takes Mm -hmm. an interest in you or whatever. And I totally remember like feeling Mm -hmm. that same way. And that even, even, yeah, like you, you know, you speak to the, to the drug addiction Mm -hmm. and everything like that. Like, and I, there is a lot more work out there now around this and it, you know, it is, becoming more um I don't want to say mainstream because I don't think we're totally there yet but but it's definitely um we are talking about it more for mm-hmm. sure yeah. right uh and uh which is amazing because we need to but it I mean we we need to up the ante on this mm-hmm. even more too I think because as much as we're talking about it more yeah. and there's more support out there around all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We also are fighting a massive machine on the other side with the internet. Right. And just, cause that, that, that thing is like Mm -hmm. guns ablaze and makes it it, so much easier. Hey. Yeah. Well, and, and so much more difficult because it's just pumping the crap out there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? With the child pornography and just the the access Mm -hmm. that it gives perpetrators and pedophiles and, just that, you know, just all of that kind of behavior. But so, yeah. Okay. So you, you, so you're in university. And so is that, so did you end up going down that road? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. So just take Yeah. Well, what happened? um, And and again, I I just want to say, I'm not blaming what happened to me on my behaviors, but they they are, there is correlation, right? Of course. 
Yeah, it's more correlation. Most of the time, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, because I'm not sure about the causation. Uh, we don't know what causes promiscuity. Like, because I mean, not everybody who is abused goes that direction. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes yeah. people were promiscuous because they like it. Yeah. <laughs> and they've never been in trouble, right? Um, yeah. But sp- I'm just speaking for me, right? Yeah. I I kind of know that's the route that I was pushed and made it easier. Mm-hmm. It just made it easier. And I mean, the reality, as you mentioned it, as you were sharing there, it, it's whether I was selling myself and trying to please somebody for money um, or I was with somebody trying to please them to just so they wouldn't leave me, mm-hmm. right? And, and it always revolved around sex. Like that's the, that was the pinnacle of it um, until all of a sudden it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I say that because as though it was just all of a sudden it's been in recovery that those things have been possible for me, right? Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to get away from there. So, but anyway, it started, yeah, I went down to the bathhouse um, and made some money the first time I was down there. And then I, it seemed to be almost like when I was a kid, because then I would go other places um, and find people that wanted to pay. Like, it's just, once you, once the door was open, mm-hmm. I guess I was giving that signal right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um the signal I was kind of trained to give, right? Mm -hmm. Which is I'm available if you're interested, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. um, saying that out loud now is just kind of ridiculous, but it's real. I I realized that uh, even up to a few years ago in sobriety, um, I had never said no Mm -hmm. to somebody, to somebody's advances, whether I liked them or not. I'd never said no. I always tried, um, trying to make those adults happy. Right. Like, and it wasn't until you, I started doing some work, you know, mm-hmm. in sobriety where I was able to see that, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to see the, all the connections, of course. Um, but I mean, once it, once you go there, it, it's everywhere. Like, so it's yeah. parks, it's yeah. public washrooms and malls. It's public. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. some steam rooms at different gyms, you know, this is how it used to be. I mean, yeah. obviously things are going to be different now with COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, and, and since, since, I don't know, a few years ago, um, that stuff doesn't really interest me as much. Like I'm bisexual, I identify as a bisexual man. Um, and again, this goes back to that question of causation. Cause I've had people say that caused it, mm-hmm. right? Your abuse caused your bisexuality. Um, and I don't agree. I agree that it might have some correlation in allowing me to say, yeah, that's a part of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But here's the, the reality is every time I fought it, it's almost killed me. Like every time I've tried to fight the bisexuality. And unfortunately, now I'm going to talk about the church a little bit because the church wants you not to be bisexual, right? And, the, and especially the United Church of Canada. Um, well, a specific church. I won't say the name of the church. Mm-hmm. Man, I said the United Church of Canada, but I won't say the actual name. Um, I just don't want to sling stones. I know that not everybody in the United Faith is like this. Mm -hmm. I absolutely know this. Um, And so I'm not painting them with a brush, but a specific church, the people in charge of where that ministry was going were 100% against it. They don't believe it's real. They believe it is a addiction, right? These were people that I worked with even, but they never said nothing, right? Except one time, one of them did say something. They said, pretty sure, like, your attraction to men is because you were abused as a child. And that was all they said. And then, of course, I was like, well, it's a good thing you're sure, right? Because what does it matter anyway? It doesn't, right? The truth is, if, if I wake up on Tuesday and I realize 
I need to be with men. Well, that's what happened. It's not, it's not a, um, a trick for anybody else, right? Like the fact, first of all, the fact that religious people think they should have a say in it, um, really bothers me. And having been a part of the church, well, all my life, because my dad was a minister when I was born, right? So having been around hearing these people talk down to about homosexuality, about transgender, about all these different things, and some of these specific people, right? Like, um, they just didn't realize that when I'm in the room, I can hear them, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And that even though they might not be talking about me, they're still talking about me, right? Mm-hmm. Ever since I was a kid, that's how it felt, is hearing any number of um, church people of well repute, you know, talking down to people saying, yeah, they're just, they're going to hell. That's, that's not where good, good people don't do that. Right. And, and so by the time I was in college and I had such, such a messed up picture of who I was, right? Like I just had this awful thing, um, awful idea of myself based on religious teaching, right? Like, because I didn't feel that way. (laughs) If I'd never heard that being gay would send you to hell, I, I, I would have been gay. I would have been fine. Right. As a kid. But it was constant, right? It was, God won't love you. Your family will disown you. Um, all these different things, right? That people tell kids. And it still happens today, mm-hmm. right? Like we, here in Calgary, we just had to vote this a, a problem, a bylaw problem, right? The conversion therapy. And I believe it's banned now in Calgary. The trouble is, and again, I don't want to go off on a tangent. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, it is related to it, right? And because whether a person's sexuality was learned while they were alive or given to them at birth, which obviously I don't know, <laughs> but the truth is that's what it is, right? And I think a lot of us, a lot of people are tired of being questioned as to what is, right? And it's, this is related as well to having been abused. It's when we start talking, people tell us to shut up. This isn't the right place. This isn't the right time, right? Um, the only time and place that you should be talking about that is in a therapist's office. And, and then you think, oh, okay, that's right. It's dirty. I shouldn't talk about it, right? I shouldn't. I should protect the secrets of those people, right? I shouldn't talk about it because, um, but then it gets reinforced by that. Don't tell anybody, right? And, and so even after we're out loud, like we are, right? Like um, I don't shy away from it. But there's obviously times I don't want to talk about it either. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. However, it's not about me when someone else starts talking about it. It's what they need, you know? Um, and I'm sure you can, you understand that because you work with people like you, this for, for, for my money, the only reason to show up is to be there for them. Right. And always working on myself because I'm the one who needs the work. They might need some, some help with stuff but I always need the work, you know? So I try to keep, um, keep that in mind when I'm with other people. Um, I kind of went off in a different direction there. That's okay. I apologize. No, don't apologize, David. Um, yeah. yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I think there's correlation between all of that stuff, obviously, yeah. maybe I say, obviously, maybe, um, but the truth is, um, you, you what do they call it? Oh man something genetics, um, eugenics. No, that's something else. Yeah. I, I just can't remember what I'm, I'm trying to think of this word and I can't yeah, do it. It's okay. Yeah. And we were talking about that the other day at Thanksgiving, actually, it was my dad and my two brothers and I, and we were all like, 
do you guys get like still get symptoms from your concussions? And we were all like, oh yeah, all the time. We didn't realize until probably we're sitting down there and yeah. we're all sharing what happens to us because we've all had concussions, like yeah. several of them too. Okay, okay. But when we had them, nobody talked about those either. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like there hadn't been a big movement to, like my younger brother, he won't let his kid play football. Yeah. Because that's where most, all three of us got a bunch of bang ups, right? Okay. So, um, but now that he knows more about the impacts of totally. like, the consequences, yeah. he's like, no chance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't have played had I known I would have, but my brother wouldn't have. Yeah. I was never as smart as him. So yeah, I just like to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it just took the, it took my mind off of stuff, right? If somebody could give you a good crack, even, you know, um, getting into tussles when I was still drinking and stuff like that, like just getting hit like felt good and and i know that sounds really weird but it really did feel good and it um it actually caused like a some kind of increase in self-esteem for some reason um i think it's just because you can feel the pain that's that's matched with the emotional pain right and um it's kind of like that's one of the things that i i i will say i think is probably directly related to what happened to me is um depression like is uh there's no question that I, I, I medicated for it and, um, I, I don't mind that at all because the alternative is death, right? For me, like I, I get it. I get it now. Like I, I fought the medication for a long time. Um, but then I, once I realized what I was medicating for when I was drinking and using morphine is exactly what I need medicine for. Like it's, it's the, the crater, right? Um, and just knowing that sometimes I don't have enough stuff in my brain to get me out of it, right? And, and that I do need an antidepressant, you know? Um, and of course, not everybody does, you know what I mean? And, and I hope I don't need it forever. Um, but the truth of the matter is, if I do, I do, right? I, because I know how I felt when I went to my doctor's office the last time when, when I finally got on the medication. Um, it would have been... I think it was about three and a half years ago, four years ago, maybe when I finally got on, it was after my third back surgery. And, and I don't know if, um, my back surgeries were, which obviously they do cause emotional and mental reactions to chronic pain. Um, so it just got worse. And, and I went into my doctor, my doctor's office and just said, I need, I need help. I'm not sure I'm going to make it through today. And, um, and that was 12 years sober, right? 11, 11, 12 years sober. And I still was feeling, um, I just couldn't get through it. You know, um, the multiple back surgeries didn't help, you know? Um, but I, you know what it, after the first one, uh, I was different again. Because like after the first back, first back, back surgery, okay. something happened. Um, and I think, and I don't know, I don't want to like make stuff up, but it really felt like I died and, I know I didn't die because they probably would have said something. <laughs> they might have told I me. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they're like, ooh, maybe he won't notice <laughs> that he died for five minutes. Um, but the surgery was so long. Um, I was under for about 10 hours, 10 or 11 hours. Wow. It was a long time. And uh, so I had some really weird experiences coming out of that. And then I, there's some things that just never reset, right, for me. Um, like I, after that, I knew it was okay to die. Like, I just knew, I knew that death was nothing. Like I, it's hard to describe because I, I believe, I don't believe I died. 
Um, but I, since then, I just, I have a different approach to death. Like I, I really do. Um, even when it comes to like working with people who are grieving and stuff like that, it's a, there's a different approach now. Um, I realized that a lot of the stuff that I was hung up on was make-believe stuff, right? Like, um, well, all of it was make-believe. I, I, not even some of it. Just It was all based on, um, first of all, the idea of hell and heaven, right? Because I was a Christian for a while and absorbed into that culture. Um, so, of course, my brain expresses itself with demons and angels and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the reality of it was simply, it's okay, right? It's okay. If you, if, if we die, it's okay. Like it's not, it's just the end of this and the beginning of something else. And, and then I started working more with people who were losing family members, whether it was to overdose or uh, suicide. And, um, and those are very close to my heart. Uh, because first of all, I don't know why I survived without dying. Um, so there's a bit of survivor's guilt there, right? Even, especially when I listen to my friend talk about, um, you know, read up on all the arrests they made and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's still, it's, it, it, it does throw me for a little bit of a loop, you know, like, I don't think I'm making any sense. Am I making sense? Like right now. Yeah. Like yeah, right now. Yeah, of course you okay. are. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm totally following you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, it, it's a matter of just trying to figure out the best ways to cope with it. Right. And with everything. And now we have COVID and we have, and so I haven't been really great probably for seven months, right? Like I just haven't reset yet either, you know? Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you're not either. Yeah, yeah. And, but it is, it's been tricky because when, for, for my depression anyway, what happens is I just start getting flooded with uh, images and stuff like that from childhood and, and they're not the good ones that I want to remember, right? And, and then, of course, uh, like I just, uh, I don't know. It, it, it go, I'm going around in circles now, so I'm going to let you talk. Do you have, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> David. Oh, I, oh, oh my goodness. I, um, well, I, I mean, I, I, I get, I totally get what you're saying. Like I, um, well, I, I guess it depends what part of what you've shared, mm. like, cause there's so much of already what you've shared, but yeah, I, I and it's hard once for me, once yeah. I get going on it, I, yeah. it, it takes me down some very strange pathways, right? Um, like to today, I mean, yeah. you know, like thinking about it and, and even just with my family, like thinking about well, what would have happened if my family found out, right? When I was younger, like how would my life have been different? Would it have been different? Like is the fact that I kept that it was a secret for so long, like it was a secret until I was about 23, 24. Um, and the reason it finally came up, I think, was because I was going to, I was trying to take my life. Right. And I, I didn't want to be here anymore. Uh, and what happened was I ended up, um, my dad, he's probably like, he's never, he's probably feels so bad about this. And I don't, I know he didn't do it on purpose. Right. When I, when I came out, I came out first at 24 as, as being gay and I, it was like liberating. Right. And so 
I was I asked, I needed some counseling though, because I was obviously in trouble because I had really tried not to be that. Like I had really tried to be straight and normal. And I'm saying those words for a reason is because that's what I thought was normal, was straight. And that was the only thing I could have been, right? To be, first of all, the person that my parents wanted me to be. But, but beyond that, who I was supposed to be, right, was a straight man, right? Um, and, and now I'm grateful I'm not because um, <laughs> they've got a lot of stuff coming towards like people who maybe identify as normal. Like there's a lot of stuff coming their way. <laughs> and I mean, some of us are like pretty good at handling that stuff now. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I hope nobody gets hurt out there. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> that, that happens to me all the time. Okay. You're talking about coming out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course that's a huge thing for people, right? Like whether you have, and I, I didn't know how my parents would take it. Right. But I, I wasn't at, at first. I wasn't sure it was going to be a good thing because the I asked for help to find a counselor, and so my dad made some contacts and said, "Here's a guy." Didn't know much about him, so I give that to my dad. Right? He had no idea this guy was conversion therapy, right? And I can't remember his name either for the life of me because I only went for like 25 minutes, and I said, "Dude, I'm out," right? And I walked out because it was it was not going to send me back into the closet, right? This this guy who wanted to christianize my my homosexuality right and of course i was out so i don't blame my dad for that i'm sure he didn't know um and i can't even remember the guy's name because eventually i found a good one i found a good counselor and and because of that counselor i was able to come out like i felt comfortable enough that i could tell my my friends and because that was important i was because dominic was my my best friend and he still is but he was the first person i told like outside of a counselor um, and he was the first one. Well, and besides the men I had had sex with uh, as an adult, they knew I was probably bisexual or gay. Um, but yeah, I sat down with Dominic and uh, he was just like everything that I would imagine him to be like, like he, he was kind. He, he under, he didn't understand. He said, I don't know what, anything about it. Like, but he didn't claim to know anything. And Sometimes that's the best, right? Is when, um, I, I can't imagine what that might, it must've been like for him. It sounds like he just was honest. Yeah, he was. Like he just showed up in a, in an honest, authentic way. Yeah. Like he just, yeah, n- without any pretenses or, mm-hmm. you know, trying to pretend like yeah he had some answers or knew some stuff that he didn't. No, exactly. And that he still does that, right? He's, he's probably done that consistently, just shown up and given given respect, given, you know what I mean? And even though I've gone through some weird shit with him as my friend and, uh, he just kind of like shakes his head. He's like, it's not that bad. And for me, I'm like, dude, if it wasn't for me, probably your life would be totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, um, and maybe not better, but maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe better. Um, but so anyway, I, I came out to him and then it made it possible for me to come out to my parents and my brothers and, um, and yeah, and I, I think, uh, he always underestimates his impact on my life. Right. But I, I could never undervalue him, um, for that, that, that dinner where he listened to me and listened and then my parents listened and then, um, and then I got scared about six months into being a gay man and I ran right back into the closet. Um, it was, um, it, it's harder to adjust to 
than people understand, right? Like it's because I'm fighting with myself at that time constantly about it. There's part of me that's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Another part of me, I need you to do this. I need this. I need this. And then don't do it. Don't do it. Um, people are going to like hate you. They're not going to respect you. They're not going to, um, they won't, they definitely can't love you. Right. Um, and then there was those old voices, like who's going to love a bisexual man. Right. Like, um, and so I went running back into the closet cause I knew I wasn't a homosexual, but I also knew I liked men equal to women. Right. Like, and, um, I just couldn't reconcile that, you know, until I had to, I guess. And, but it wasn't for a lot longer after that. And I, I can, I can probably say with some accuracy that because of the, the direct correlation to the abuse was again, having trouble talking, right? Like having trouble tell my story. Um, I could only tell you a rehearsed version of my story. Whereas now when, if we're asked to speak, I just go, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I don't want to rehearse stuff. It's otherwise I'm trying to control it. Right. And, and that was a big problem for me, you know, but maybe people can understand that it's, you're always trying to control it because you don't want the secret getting out. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, and then just being guarded in what you say, Mm. usually that is just out of fear Mm -hmm. again, right. Of not being accepted, not being, you know, not being liked. Mm-hmm. not being you know. I would keep it quiet for those very reasons right and and there's even times today where I'll still like keep my mouth shut when I'm listening to people talk about stuff but but I've stopped now I've stopped keeping my mouth shut because I'm like wait a minute I'm complicit in this thing if I don't if I don't speak up right if I don't say something like if a group of people are you know um I hang around lots of alphas so and I'm not an alpha but I hang around a lot of alphas so I I, they're interesting, right? Um, but sometimes alphas will make jokes about homosexuality or whatever else, right? And in the past, I was like, if it's funny, I'll laugh. So, because I don't take offense to everything. There's like, life is way too short for that shit. Um, but if it's like, you know, if it's something that's beyond a joke and you can sense there's venom in it, I'll absolutely say something. You know, like, you better be careful where you say that stuff, right? Because that's bigotry, you know? Um, and I think people have been able to joke about whatever they want, right. Talk, or talk about whatever they want. And then when they get in trouble, say it was a joke. Right. And, and so having, having that kind of go away a bit, right. Because you know what, if you make a joke, you're going to get called on it. Like, because that's not funny. If, if somebody in the room is hurt by the joke, then it's not a joke. You know, I agree. Yeah. yeah. There should be a sense of accountability mm-hmm. in what. Unless you're a comedian on stage and people expect that bullshit, right? You know? Yeah. But in our office spaces where we work, um, in our homes or wherever we happen to be, I think safe space is needed, you know, for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how, so you, how, how old are you, David? 46. 46. Okay. I feel about a 90 today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you sober up then? 30. Yeah. I was, I, my first sober day was August 22nd, uh, 2004. Okay. So you just yeah. recently celebrated yeah. then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then, 
so how okay so tell 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 me a little bit about just your recovery and how mm. you how you got there i'm assuming you probably and obviously tell me if i'm wrong mm. but did you start using at a really young age i i didn't start using really young but i did well i guess i was 14 so that's that's yeah, pretty young that's pretty like, young i i think yeah it was young i mean but, that's a fairly typical age yeah but it's still that's young. Yeah, I know. Hey, just yeah. because it's typical doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, I just spoke with a with a lady who started drugs at eleven. So you know, it's like uh, that's early to me. Yes, you it know. Is. Um, yeah. But then again, our our we're all of our stories are the just that right. They're essential to our life, you know. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess sobriety has been well, it's been amazing like it's not i don't i re, i regret nothing about it like i regret nothing i um getting the booze away from me uh and getting me away from that it well it even allowed me to quit morphine at the same time like the booze was just such a anchor you know to me um yeah and during recovery i didn't do everything right you know um i still don't like but in the first few years i was a mess like some people are like, oh, I've been in a month or two months and I'm still like crazy. And I'm like, okay, well, buckle up, <laughs> <laughs> buckle up just in case it is like four years of craziness, which is what I had, you know? Um, but of course I was fighting concepts and I, I was fighting the 12 steps and I was, okay. and, and you know, I appreciate that mm. honesty. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. 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 Well, it's a direct result, right? Yeah. Of, of the fighting. Yeah. And, and it's not even the thing that I'm fighting that was the problem. What the problem was, was the fighting. It's it simply resistance is futile, right? Yeah. And the longer... So just still not being able to accept and surrender yeah. certain parts of... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I wasn't sure God didn't hate me, like still. I was still like, I was saying the words, I was giving people what they wanted to hear so they'd leave me alone, um, which, as I say it, is a real shitty thing, Right. So if there's people around that are constantly bugging you and, and trying to manipulate and that kind of stuff, then sometimes it's better to not be around those people, right? Um, but anyway, my, my time was, I did not spend it um, doing the work, as they say. And once I did, though, and I, I didn't want to do the work until I almost went back out. Like I was on the, I was on the verge. I went to I, what I thought was going to be my final AA meeting. Like I was like, I'm going to this meeting and then if it, if I still feel like drinking, I'm drinking. Right. Oh, wow. And I, how long sober had four you? Four years. Holy. Yeah. Four years. But all I'd done was dick around. Um, I worked lots, was going to university in the first couple of years of that. And then I went and did some other, another job, like, uh, totally out of my field. Like I went from so, being a social worker to being a special constable with Calgary transit. Oh, okay. Like, and, um, and everyone out there, yeah, I know you hate me. I get it. Because um, it was such a leap for me um, that, and then I realized I was tempted, like in that position, right? To, um, tempted by stupid stuff, nothing major, just I could be tempted. Um, and so I, I, I jumped away from that too. I quit the city and people were like, you're nuts quitting the city job. And, and I'm like, I never imagined having a city job, so I don't know the difference, right? Like, it's just a job. But of course, everyone with the pensions and all that kind of stuff, right? 
And, and the reality, even back then for me, and I'm still that way, is I'm just like, yeah, okay, pension. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, it's still, it gets waved in our face, right? And I'm just like, how long do you think I'm going to live? because like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have that much time um, and, and not because I'm going to do anything yeah, I just, yeah, I just yeah. don't feel like I have that kind of time um, and that could also be part of my depression or, or all kinds of stuff um, but yeah at four years um, I went to a meeting and I was going to leave like I was done and my sp- the guy who became my sponsor at the time he was in the meeting and he was an old friend of my dad's and so he, he saw me and he could see I was not doing well. Like I thought I was pulling off a really good like mask job too. Hey, like I, I was clean shaven. My hair was short, man. I had a nice tan. I was always tan year round. So everyone thought, oh, he looks good. He's doing fine. Right. But no, he saw through the bullshit like so quick. And you know, he just, <laughs> I'm going to try to remember the, the quote, but he just looked at me and he just goes, the fuck dude. Like that. He's got his eyes squinted and he's looking at me. And we're sitting just like this kind of. There's like a little table here and his back is here and he's turned looking at me and he's, this is at my home group. Um, and uh, he goes, dude, you could put like coal up your ass and get a diamond. And I said, what? Because <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to him, right? But he's just like, and he's squinting at me and he's this old shit and he's like, you could put a coal up your ass and I'd have a diamond ring, Dave, something like that. And so I said, I said, what, what the fuck did you just say? And he goes, dude, none of us make it out alive, man. Try to relax. You're taking yourself too seriously. And I hadn't even said a word. Right. But obviously I was, I was like way too serious about myself, not serious enough about like recovery, but very serious about who I thought I was. right the uh the angel that david thought he was and uh and that when that moment though when he said just don't take yourself too seriously man switch went off something happened in that him staring me down and not taking his eyes off me and being like you're close right like and he knew he knew something was totally. wrong yeah. yeah he saved my life for sure that day um because i know i would have been gone drinking right but from there i decided oh maybe i'll do the steps right and it was weird right it was like light switch goes off and i'm like maybe i should do the steps and then in that meeting all i heard was people talking about the steps and i'm four years sober and people assume i've done them right at that point yeah totally they assume i've done all kinds of shit yeah yeah Um, yeah. i hadn't sponsored anybody i hadn't because i was working in the field and i didn't have the mental capacity i thought right because that was my excuse And, and so i didn't do anything i would clean ashtrays sometimes and make coffee and stuff like that um and that's something that's something um but it wasn't enough for me right i had to actually get connected um and in order to do that i had to get out of the way right because i was still hung up on the god hates me stuff and how am i going to do the steps when god hates me right well what happened was my the idea of god changed it, it, it wasn't the same God that I grew up with and I could tell the difference, right? Like, obviously we could tell the difference between what we grew up with, this domineering, you know, figure to now I'm in this 12 step fellowship and I'm being told about this God that's like basically of my own construction and understanding. 
And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> there might be something here, right? Like, and I, I mean, the difference between then and now is that then I started to think I, I started to think I knew what God was. And then about year eight, I realized I have no fucking idea, like who, what God is. And so then from there, it's gradually coming back down that slope to the valley where most people live and realizing that, yeah, God is everything, but it's not the same as like Christians told us. It's not the same as maybe the Hindus tell us or Islam. It's just not the same for everybody, right? And, and then, of course, it opens up the door to all these beautiful religions that are out there that people can find joy in. That's so cool if you can, right? Um, uh, the idea is there's a lot of them because there's a lot of different interpretations of the universe expressing itself, right? And it takes all of us to do that, you know? Um, anyway, I, when people get me get hung up on like a one God system, and that's cool, whatever works for them. Um, but I, I, for me, that's, that doesn't work anymore. This, this, doing the actual work of the steps and working with others has whittled away all that stuff, right? Um, there's just, and again, for me. Yeah, totally. You know, because yeah. I, I, have, I have mad respect for people who are um, believers and have faith and, and they, they do good with their faith. I have so much respect for all of that, right? Um, I, I just have respect for other people and what they need. I guess, because they might need stuff that maybe I needed 12 years ago, right? That little whisper of, okay, you can use the word God. I could use it without vomiting, right? Like, um, and so it didn't bother me. So I, okay, I can call this thing God or whatever. Um, but again, today I have no idea what it is. So I, all I know today is there's what I believe is an unseen world and the seen world, right? And I barely understand the seen world. So to pretend I understand the unseen would be a bold-faced lie, right? Yeah. So now I don't even pretend. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are we running out of time? Uh, well, no, we're not. No, we're not running out of time. No. Because I can stop whenever you want me to stop. <laughs> You're funny, David. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, I mean, I. I. Uh, I think it, that it can. You know that can, it can definitely be, be a little bit touchy, tricky. You know, and and I think too, like I I I totally hear what you're saying, and some of it just makes me sad too, mm -hmm. just because of I I know that, you know, coming like being raised with certain beliefs and mm -hmm. things like that. And, and I, I mean, cause we're close around the same age. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm older than you, but are you? Yeah. Holy crap. I would not have guessed that. Oh yeah. No but, way. So I, I understand like when you're, when you're talking and mm -hmm. some of the way you're, you're explaining certain things like with your family, your mm -hmm. dad, religion, like spirituality, that kind of stuff. Like I'm from that, mm -hmm. um, that generation too, I guess yeah. you could say. So I, I like I, I can I I can empathize, mm -hmm. you know, with you know. What was it like for you? Because I mean, well, 
I mean, I mean, what it was like for me and mm-hmm. what it's like for me now is two totally different mm-hmm. things too. And so, so I've had to work out my yeah. own faith as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I am a Christian, mm-hmm. like I and I. Well, and I I've told you that yeah. before. You you and I have talked about that. Um, but how I grew up, um the understanding that I had of God mm-hmm. growing up as, as a little girl is way different than what I have now Yeah. to like, and I, for me, it's, it's all about my relationship, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with Christ. And so I just, um, it's just like how getting to know you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, that's how I view, that's what my faith has been like yeah. for me is that it's been a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just growing that relationship over the years yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, I, uh, there was a time I was terrified mm-hmm. of, you know, of God or what I yeah. thought God was yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. What I had perceived, mm-hmm. you know, been told yeah. to that, who, who he was, mm-hmm. right? And so it kind of, it took my own, you know, when I was older mm-hmm. and able, you know, stuff like that and so i just having some of my own spiritual experiences and spiritual mm-hmm. awakenings and things like that and just my own relationship uh with him too mm-hmm. so so that has all changed for me yeah. too right mm-hmm. um well i think that's the important thing though it's about yeah. relationship yeah right like yeah. If, if you can a person can be whatever they need to be and and i think you can tell the genuine relationship right like Cause for me, it's other people too. Like, I feel like I'm in the presence of God when I'm around other people, right? It's not, and it, to me, that's what's changed, right? Is there's more of a relationship to my fellows that came from, in my mind, dropping a whole bunch of dogma that I had, right? Just dropping it and saying, okay, that doesn't belong to me anymore, right? What belong, what is a part of my spirituality is that relationship. It's, it's to people, to other living things. It's to, um, and that has been huge change for me, you know, because um, I wasn't geared that way for whatever reason. Because I don't remember the lessons, like I don't remember being taught that. Or, um, but the to build a relationship that has no borders, right? Um, in my mind, that's God. Like God's there, right? Like in in all of that stuff, you know. And there's no doubt for me. There's no doubt because I feel it so regularly. When I sit down with people, you know, I feel the presence of God, whether it's on a podcast or uh, in a session, um, whatever, whatever's going on. If I'm with other humans and I try to get out of the way, I'm able to feel it, you know? And when I say get out of the way, I mean my ego, No, right? totally. Just, I still get that. Yeah. Get my, yeah. get my brain out of the way so that I can be here with you and, or be wherever I happen to be. Yeah. And that's different. Totally. Yeah. Tell, uh, um. So where, where are, where are you now? Like, tell us a mm. little bit about the work that you do now. Cause I know that you're, um, like fully invested in the mm. recovery community. hundred percent. Yeah. And so, and even like, if for those that don't know or whatever, like you have your own podcast, mm. uh, recovery focused podcast, yep. correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so just tell us because mm-hmm. i like i obviously i know about your podcast but i yeah. don't totally know all the other things that we that do that you do yeah mm-hmm. sure yeah i i mean 
we, like we talked a lot about, and I apologize for the tone of this conversation, like if it was too sad or something, because talking about the things we started talking about yeah. can really dampen a mood, right? <laughs> no, I don't apologize, yeah. David. So I'll, we need to talk about those. This, it's true. It's, yeah. It's true. These are our stories. Mm-hmm. And right? it's how I got to where we exactly. are today, right? Exactly. Like, and the reality that's is... What, that's what makes you the compassionate mm-hmm. person that you are, able to help other people too, right? And that's, support other people in their yeah. journeys. is because you've had to do the all the hard work yourself to get to the ugly work. Yeah. Yeah, The ugly work. And the ugly crying. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So based on all the ugly crying I've done through the years, (laughs) I, uh, and I am an ugly crier. I've learned it like me too. Right. Like it's, it's such a, and I think we talked about it when we met last um, on the other podcast, it was, uh, my friend in California took her life during this and I could not stop grieving. Like I was, it was like three or four days of just constant crying at the drop of a hat. It was like, because her and I were kindred spirits, right? She had had a really hard time, hard life, right? And, and she was an alcoholic. And, and, um, and so that was when I really, I realized how much the work is helping that, that I've done and that, that we continue to do if we want to in recovery, because I could not have accepted four days of grief right? I couldn't have. In my, I don't even know when. It wouldn't have had to have been that long ago where I would have been like, nope, you got a day, <laughs> right? And try to shut it down. Um, but there has only been a couple of people who've shaken me like that. And it's always the kindred spirits, right? Our, our, maybe they were our doppelganger. Maybe they're our female twin or something, right? Like, or male twin. Um, but so that kind of work has opened the door exponentially um, for the grief work, the my personality work, the work about my basically about trauma, mm-hmm. getting That's through it. Awesome, I right? Think. Even for you to have that revelation oh, to catch that. Yeah, is, it was very lucky. All, yeah, it's a different mindset, awesome. though, right? Yeah, that's um, awesome. And I think that's the difference. Maybe one of the differences between now and and a few years ago, even in recovery, right? Is once I kept doing the work after the first couple of sets of steps, and then I just kept going. Um, I do them every year now because I've started to feel really good, like about that process. And, and not that it's always happy. Like I said, I was ba- basically ugly crying for four days, right? Where my partner is like just holding me as I'm in the fetal position in bed, right? Because I don't know what else to do. Um, I, I was heartbroken, right? I am heartbroken. Um, but thankfully, uh, the organization that I work with, uh, Freedom's Path Recovery Society, is allows me to work with other people regularly. Um, and we've I've been doing, we've been a charity I think for three years, and we've been in action for four, but I've been working on the programming for probably ten. Wow. Um, yeah. So okay. for ten years, building up like what we want to move forward and what we don't want to move forward. Cause I was a contractor for about 10 years or six years, I guess. Yeah. I have to add the time now. So I was a contractor for six years and then I turned, we took it, turned it into a charity. Yeah. And so we do, um, group workshops. So we, we've, we've done, um, and by, well, so far I've done, <laughs> I've done <laughs> private workshops about addiction, about mental health for whether it be, 
people who are interested um, or individuals who are struggling. Um, I've done both groups for like one taking more of an Al-Anon focus and the other ones taking more of the 12-step room focus. Um, not that Al-Anon's not 12-step, it's just different. I know what I told you. You know what I yes, mean. Yes, I, yeah. I do, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we, we do that. Uh, and the one-on-one counseling that I do is uh, open. It depends on what somebody's going through as to what they want to learn. Um, so basically what we, what I've been able to do with other people is learn with them. Like if someone says, Dave, I really am interested in doing the, the, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, I'll get them connected with somebody who does that. Um, just because I haven't done that enough yet to, to feel like I'm okay to teach that. Um, and so I just keep trying to learn from all the people that come and see me because what I, one thing I did learn right away was that the 12 steps aren't for everybody. Right. And to try to make it for everybody almost makes it impossible for it to be for everybody, right? It, it's like there are so many wonderful people doing wonderful things to help others. I mean, I bumped into one on my way here, right? Like up the stairs and there's another, there's a guy who has like been in the field forever helping people, right? And I'm not going to tell you who it was because you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's, that's what's encouraging me today is like when I, when I look on the feet or my feed or I'm talking to friends and they're all trying to get something started to help other people. Right. And to me, that's exciting, you know? Yeah. Like it's exciting that you have this podcast. It's exciting that there's going to be more voices heard in different walks of life. Right. Like, um, and cause we all can kind of come together in this space, whoever we are. Right. Um, I'm not sure how it's been for you, but I, for me, the podcasting has been uh, mind blowing as to the people I've been able to meet. Right. I so agree, David. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually, um, I had, I really had no idea what to Mm -hmm. expect when I started and it's been, uh, it's, it's really been an incredible journey so far. And we literally just started. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to hear it. I think it'll I, I I have a feeling it'll get even better. Like the feeling about it, right? The I think at first I was like, Oh, is this the right thing to do? Right? Like when we started to do it, because we've always been told you need to be anonymous. You need to be anonymous. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that was ringing. I kind of threw that out the window me too. a while ago. Yeah. 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 Me too. Right. Cause yes, I, I was, but I can so, re- I grew yeah. up with that. Yeah. Me too. It was yeah. like, you got to keep it to yourself. Yeah. Only talk about it in private. And then, I, and then something just hit me. I said, well, what if people want this though? What if it has nothing to do with me? Right. And it has everything to yeah. do with the fact that their, their stories need to be shared. Just like, I felt minded at one point. Right? Well, I think it's so important. Like people need to know that they're not alone. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, you know, don't tell anyone and mm-hmm. keep it anonymous and stuff. Like I, I get all that. Like mm-hmm. I get it to a certain extent. Yeah. But then I think from what I have personally been seeing, and I know even since I came out with my own uh, addiction to alcoholism and just started to live my recovery out loud, mm-hmm. And then just to really just kind of come out loud about everything, Mm -hmm. you know, all of my story, all of the parts of my story and just seeing the ripple effect of that and how that has Mm -hmm. impacted and, and even hearing other people's stories, how Mm -hmm. it's impacted me. Right. And so I just, I really think that there's, there's something Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, there is. There's definitely something about it because it, the same, 
same feeling. Like I walk away from every, even though I, you've been on twice, both times, Darcy and I walked out of there going, how do we get closer to her so we can like stay close to her? <laughs> right? Like, cause we were both just so damn happy. Well, I mean, it's just that energy, right? You, yeah. you do have a wonderful energy about you because you Thanks, do David. pretty wonderful things, yeah, right? Thank you. You're welcome. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's, I mean, the podcasts, I, yeah, I, I guess it was, didn't take very long for the podcast to be my favorite thing wow. <laughs> with work, right? Yeah, like, that's awesome. And, and I've been, I've been doing counseling for a long time and, and working with people for a long time and I love it. There's just something about the podcast format that is so genuine, right? Like we're, there's, there's no pretense, you know, and you've been on our, our show, so you know, there's yeah. very little pretense, yeah. no, it's right? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like we're barely dressed when you come, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. Or, it's so laid back. It, yeah, it's, it's so pretty... chill. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And, it, and then that's what we love about it too, yeah. um, is cause I, it's like you said earlier, each of us has to be ourselves, right? And, and I have to be me and you have to be you. And that's a wonderful thing. The way I say it, sometimes I have to be myself. It's like I'm getting ready for the, the trudging, right? <laughs> like, and it's not as though everything's trudging, obviously not. Um, I, have, I have such a good life today, right? And um, I owe it to lots of things. You know, it, like obviously recovery is a huge part of it. But my family has always been here, right? They have never said you cannot come home, right? And, and I know that's partially because I didn't push them in that direction because they would have because they did say it to my older brother. <laughs> so I know they could go there if they had to. But it was like, a, I don't know, there was always a beacon there, right? And it, it really is awesome because we found out there's lots of stuff, lots of stuff in our family, right? Going back, like about sexual abuse, um, there's, I learned so much, right? I, I learned just by sitting with my dad and listening to my dad, which I do way more often now. Like if I'd have known how valuable that was like 10, 15 years ago, I'd have been burning his ear. Like, but now I'm just, I'm hearing him from a different place, right? Like he's, he, it's just different. Yeah. I think that's so important to mention too, just as parents, because mm -hmm. I know like, you know, even my parents and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, it's like we're, we're just kids that have grown up. Yeah, you know what I mean? And then is. now all of a sudden we're parents and mm -hmm. you're expected to just do it all right. And, and have it figured out. And have it all figured out. But really, you're just going off of what you've mm -hmm. learned, what you've been taught, what mm -hmm. you've been shown, you know. And mm -hmm. it's, I, 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 it's just, it's cool because I, mm -hmm. you know that you can you can get to that place where you can yeah just like your dad's he's a man mm -hmm. that became a father yeah and i think you that know? was what i don't probably kids forget that all the time they totally, forget they their do. parents they don't, are they human. don't get any yeah. of that until they start having kids yeah or until they start getting older and realize or getting older yeah and realize yeah. holy crap like yeah this guy has like a bunch of information yeah you know and it's yeah. really good yeah. <laughs> like really valuable and i just think back to when i was in my 20s and just being a little shithead and like i couldn't i couldn't even listen to him right i i and i've always loved my parents yeah but i couldn't listen to him because it was all the god 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 stuff right and and now all that pretense is gone right and um because 
I, I'm allowed to be myself. Once I explain, I say, well, this is who I am. And it's, I love that you are who you are. Like, and someone asked me the other day, well, being that you're not a Christian anymore, do you, do you hate Christianity? And I'm like, no, like, no, of course I don't hate anything. First of all, I don't have enough time to hate. Like I don't have enough energy for it. Um, I have problems, absolutely, when it comes to the Catholic Church. Absolutely, I do. I have some some issues there, but outside of that, not at all. I'm not, my issues aren't with people having faith. That's for sure. Like that's not my problem. Um, and I'm not angry. I, I want people to be happy, right? I want people to find hope and love and um, compassion wherever they can find it, right? Like, um, and that's interesting because I I just now I don't even look at my parents like that anymore, right? Because they're human, you know, and, and it's, you know, all that stuff they taught us, well, not them specifically, but the church taught us that, well, if you're a Christian, you're going to flaunt that over people. You need to make sure people know and, and all that stuff. And that just never sat with me. It's those kinds of things that I don't appreciate. It's not the faith part. Like, yeah. I have faith. I understand faith. Like it, it's important. You know, um, I wouldn't be here without it. Yeah. You know, because I couldn't have done it by myself. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I, um, uh, in closing, I just, I, um, can you give us some, uh, like the, like, I'm going to have all this in the show Mm -hmm. notes too and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, but just where people can go to to find you, the website and for the the podcast Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Okay. And the name of your podcast too. Okay. Yeah. So if you're, the podcast name is Voices in Recovery. Um, and my name's David Lurie. It's, it's on every streaming service, I think. So from Spotify, iTunes, Google, um, sometimes it goes onto YouTube. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, and really that's a YouTube problem. It's not, a, it's not really up to us. <laughs> um, and there's some other streaming service, but I can't remember the name of it, but Spotify is probably yeah, good. Yeah. The main, um, and then you can reach me, you, I'll put our phone number on, on the recording. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can, you can absolutely call 403-701-6416 if you're in need of some help. Uh, we don't charge for any of our services. Um, we're That's based, actually so good to know. Yeah. I, yeah, well, I always you. try to point that out because yeah. like when I speak to schools, um, like I did last week, that was a big thing for those yeah. kids, right? Because they can't afford it. Okay, so that number you gave, so that number that David gave, mm-hmm. D- David gave, yep. say it again. 403-701-6416. So that number is for counseling? Counseling, groups. Free counseling, yep. free group sessions. Yep. Okay. Yeah, if there's, um, we do private groups. So if okay. a group of friends wanted to get together, because yeah. I've done that for friends. Okay. They've had, I've had a few private groups where, some people are comfortable bringing it into their home. Yeah. Um, or we use the, some space at a church that I have space at. Okay, yeah. Um, but if people don't like going to a church, that's okay too. Like yeah. we could find another place. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. No, uh, Wellbriety. So we have, uh, we also offer um, white bison Wellbriety programs. And so we, we offer Mending Broken Hearts, which is about intergenerational trauma and recovering from trauma and grief. Um, and I took the course, the facilitator course, and it was mind blowing, like mind blowing. I was in my own grief the whole week (laughs) and it was unbelievable unwrapping that onion from, from the new perspective. 
Um, and then there's also the medicine wheel and the 12 steps that we offer as well. Okay. And you'll, you, you've sent me all of these all of links, that thing. correct? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And so that, that number and the free counseling and mm-hmm. all of that, is that all around it? Like addiction and mental health? It's anything. Okay. Yeah. Anything. It's, okay. it's, those are our predominant areas that's just that seems to be where everyone most people come from um but i i've taken referrals for people who've never had dependency issues or um and well they haven't thought of it in that way some we usually have some dependency issue whether it be on you know i don't know ice cream or something Uh, something makes us feel better we want that right um so i think that's pretty much it yeah oh and it's david lurie on instagram David L E W R Y. We're going to get around to having an agency one, but that right now that's where everything goes. Um, and Facebook is Freedom's Path Recovery Society, as well. The same for YouTube. So I think that's it. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah. I really you. hope it wasn't like I hope it makes sense. I, I it makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. In the in the way our stories do, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're up and down and all over the place. And- yeah. We need freeways and a lot of (laughs) (laughs) off-ramps. Yeah. Totally. No, it's it's been, yeah. Thank you too for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Such, you know, like the real stuff. Mm. And I really appreciate you sharing. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Mm. people that can relate to what you've, you've said and what you've shared. And yeah, yeah. there's one person that he doesn't have to. Absolutely. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank it's an you. honor. Yeah, it's it's such an honor to have you here, and yeah, thank you. Grateful for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you, Venetia. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, and so yeah, that is another episode of the Ordinary Courage podcast. This is Venetia Brielt, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple, pretty much any uh, platform that's out there for for streaming podcasts. And uh, I hope that you guys got something out of today's episode. And if you did, I'm sure you did. If you could pay it forward and just pass it along. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the uh, website too, if you're looking for more information, is venetiabriel.com. And we'll have all of the links and phone numbers that David talked about uh, in the show notes. All right. Thanks, everyone.